Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. I had asked the rambling question, which I will continue to ramble away right now. Um, what first round draft pick, other than an Edmonton Oilers draft pick, would have done better had they been drafted by a different team? So this is kind of not like saying they were a bust, but somebody who had the talent and, and the skill set and everything that should have just blown up in the league. <sighs> okay, I, 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 I have a list as well, and the way Patrick just phrased that, it's making me narrow down. I may, we may want to circle back. Um, I spent a lot of my time focused on drafts in the 1990s, and who boy, I don't know what some teams were doing, but basically I could say anyone that the Ottawa Senators and Tampa Bay Lightning picked for a stretch of years because they seem to jump right into the NHL when they probably shouldn't have. Um, so I look at 1993 and I have, you know, Chris Gratton and Alexander Day, top of my list. Um, a, a playmaker in Dag, who, you know, he can put in some goals, but who did he play with in Ottawa those first few years? He carved out a decent little NHL career, but, you know, he is always going to go down as a notorious bust with, you know, the Yakupovs, who I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, and then Grattan went third overall in that same draft. And I'm just like, Okay, Grattan gets the moniker of the let's pick the big hulking forward. I, I hate to say it, just pick the big dumb guy because big, big and strong is good. Um, but as soon as he got away from uh, Tampa Bay after his first, I want to say, three pro seasons. No, he, he played four pro seasons. <laughs> he 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 did, he did a little something. He he showed some talent, but at that point, you know, he's in his he's entering what should have been his prime years, and then he just kind of bounces around and he goes back to Tampa, and the, he goes from Tampa to Philly, back to Tampa to Buffalo, and then he becomes a journeyman. And so he never really actualized, although you know he put up decent decent numbers just not what you expect out of a third overall pick but ultimately i'll get off my soapbox my pick was from 1999 tim Connolly, being drafted oh. by the islanders hmm. here's the guy with all the talent in the world or so he he was a hmm how should i put this i don't want to say he was a connor mcdavid or a crosby before you know, those players were in the limelight before the draft years, but he was very much projected at 15, 16 years old as a player who was going to make the NHL. There's no question about it. And he was immensely skilled, but he was coming into the league at the peak of the dead puck era. And he went to a Mike Bilberry GM team. His first pro coach was, or his first, and no, his first pro coach, because he made the league at 18, was Butch Goring. 
His second NHL <laughs> coach was Lorne Henning because Butch Goring was fired. Mm-hmm. He played for Lindy Ruff, who, you know, where he had his most success, but Lindy Ruff's teams weren't the most brilliant offensively coached, you know, juggernauts. They, he was a defensive stalwart. So here's a highly skilled offensive player coming into the league at the wrong time, which makes me think he should have stuck in junior for a little bit because he played two years OHL in 59 games. He scored 62 points in his draft year. He played 46 games and scored 68 points by today's standards. Those are good to average numbers. Those are third, third liners or projected third liners in the NHL. But he always he, he went from a wrong situation playing for the worst team in the league in the Islanders at the time to a up and coming or transitioning Buffalo team who he was traded for Michael Pekka. It was at the time where Hashik forced his way out and went to Detroit to get his cup. And then he goes to Toronto and plays for Ron Wilson and Randy Carlisle, which, you know. Those are names I think about a highly skilled forward slightly, you know, he was six foot, a buck 90, you know, he just played for the wrong teams at the wrong time. And I just wonder if another team drafted him and maybe let him play a year, one more year in the OHL would things have transpired differently. Hmm. That that was deep, man. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, damn. Damn. Seemed pretty lame after that. (laughs) Oh, don't wait! I got a couple others. I was going through. All right, so would you like to continue, Pat, or shall I go? No, no, I I said too much. So, guys have. All right, so I had seven over the last 30 years. Three of them had the unfortunate coincidence to be going to expansion teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Falloon? Anyone? Bueller? Pat Falloon was drafted in 1991, second overall between Lindros and Scott Niedermeyer. He played 575 NHL games. And, of course, at this point, if, if you're going who? Exactly. He ended I, well, up with the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> going to say, didn't he play 575 games with 575 different teams? No, he uh, he played with San Jose, Philly, oh, he, yeah. Ottawa, Edmonton, Pittsburgh. Um, so, again, you know, unfortunate that he ended up with a expansion team. Um, the other expansion guys that I have, Paul Correa. Hmm. Paul Correa is a, you know, he's he's well regarded in the NHL now, but imagine if he had been playing with Mario Lemieux. Oh, dear God. Ah, yes, you're going down that rabbit hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh you dear know, God! Exactly my point. It, he he had a respectable NHL career with Anaheim mostly, 
uh, Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis. But imagine if he actually had the supporting cast that he needed to really blossom. Doesn't that make you sad inside? <laughs> Many things make me sad inside. That that uh, that makes me sad. Yeah. So, and then <clears throat> the other um, expansion team, um, unfortunate, is Patrick Stefan, Atlanta Thrashers. Oh, you never have to remind me who he is. Just, <laughs> you know, I just see that wide open net. He. But he wasn't playing for the Thrashers at that time. But but that's the first thing you think of. Oh, yeah. He probably should not have been drafted first overall. First of all, his numbers just don't hold up for that. You know, (laughs) as a centerman, it just, he doesn't. It's like, even with the Thrashers, he never got better than a 14-goal season. He never got better than a 26 assist or 20, no, 26 assist season. You know that was the same season. So he had 40 points in his best NHL season. But he did go first overall. He ended up with Atlanta, which was just a train wreck from the start. And if he'd been put on another team, if he'd been drafted by another team, it might have turned out much better for him. He's only 39 years old right now. His last season in the NHL was 2007. His last playing season, which he played three games, was with Bern SC in the Swiss A-League in 2008. He has been retired for 12 years, and he's only 39. And he was a first overall draft pick in the NHL. So then I have the others, um, Brian Berard, who went to the New York Islanders. Respectable career, but and which was cut short due to an eye injury. Um, but, you know, if he had been playing somewhere else, he might have like... I mean, his second season with the New York Islanders, and I know that this is not exactly a fantastic stat to use, but still, it just kind of pops out at you. Minus 32 for a defenseman. I'm sorry, you said the words pop out at you. (laughs) Anyway. But it also makes you wonder, what what would have happened if he actually played for the team that drafted him in Ottawa? Right. Because he and Wade Reddent went number two to the Islanders, and they were essentially flipped for each other. Mm-hmm. But if he'd actually gone to a good team, regardless, you know, whether instead of Ottawa or the Islanders, where would he have ended up, you know? Yeah. Detroit at that point, right? It was mm-hmm. the late 90s. If he'd ended up with the Detroit Red Wings. Because uh, he was an offensive defenseman. I mean, he put up goals and, and assists. So, yeah. Um, so now this one's going a little bit out there, but I, I'm still going to say it. Jonathan Bernier. Ooh. Okay. Okay. LA Kings, drafted by the LA Kings, 11th overall, uh, 2006 draft. His first full season in the NHL was... Behind Jonathan Quick. So guess who ended up being a career uh, backup goalie for most of his career? 
Yeah, that's the tough thing. That was when the Kings really didn't have anything in their system. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, they had, yeah. To, had to park someone behind quick. And they didn't have anyone else and for some reason didn't sign anyone else. Because Bernier was, is a pretty good goaltender. I mean, I've, I've seen him play when he was playing in uh, Colorado. And he's actually a really good goaltender. But because he ended up getting stuck behind Jonathan Quick, automatically reputation supersedes ability in the NHL. And he's been tabbed as a backup goalie ever since. Yeah. Well, he, he goes on to a terrible Toronto team and then... From there, you know, he meanders, and he won games for the Detroit Red Wings this season. Plus, you also, when you're that young and you're sitting behind someone else, what are you not doing? Right. Playing. Yeah, and as a goaltender, that is, getting reps is, you know, the most important thing, really. Right. Right. And he was playing, when he was playing in the AHL, you know, he had started 54, 58 games in the two full seasons he was there. And then he goes to three in the NHL and 25. So, yeah. Um, and then as I was doing this, I realized just, I re-realized, because I already knew, just how badly Tampa develops in the past, like, 10 years, their first rounders. And it just pains me because, you know, I could sit there and I could be like Druin, Cuckoo, um, Connolly, um, and I'm missing somebody. And it just, it hurts. So <laughs> the two that I picked were Cuckoo and Druin. Um, they had ended up on other teams that might have worked out way better for them. Uh, was Connolly? Or no, you said Connolly. Yeah, Connolly, Connolly kind of struggled after he left Tampa. He went to Boston, and, and then he ended up with the Caps, and he's a third liner. But, I mean, considering nobody ever developed him in the minors, his talent, that's and, not too bad. And if memory serves, he was one of the leading goal scorers for the Florida Panthers this season. So Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that the it was just I mean again, Druin also did it to himself in Tampa. It wasn't just the team screwing him over, he screwed himself over, but still. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'd like you to set your way back machine to 2014. <laughs> Very late in the first round, a young man picked by the New York Islanders. <laughs> Pat knows exactly where I'm going right now. Yeah. One was mm -hmm. Joshua Hosang. Mm -hmm. Now, I will not say that Joshua didn't have some discipline problems, but those were unbelievably exacerbated situations. Or situations that were exacerbated by the goat rodeo -y handling of his career by the Garth Stowe, Charles Wang bleep show that was the New York Islanders at that time. That's a kid 
who has top six forward written all over him, speed, hands, size, temperament. And had he not been picked by such a circus of a franchise at the time, if he'd gone two spots earlier to Boston, maybe. Montreal. Uh, Well, Boston, yeah. If he had swapped spots with Nikolai Goldobin at 27, who was picked by the Sharks and subsequently never saw much ice anywhere except for after the trade to Vancouver, um, this is where I will say the maturity in the professionalism of the San Jose franchise might have been able to, you know, help rein him in with his disciplinary problems. A lot of people are hoping the same thing for one Ryan Merkley. But as we have seen this past CHL season, it's not helping so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but seriously, uh, that's, that one just sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Simply because uh, he's not been given a shot professionally to do anything. No, he hasn't. I mean, it's like anytime he's in the lineup, it's like short bursts, and then he's sent back down. And and when he's sent back down, he puts up numbers, right? Mm-hmm. 43, you know, a half a point a game type stuff, at least, if not close to like six, you know, point six of a point per game. All the way through his career, pretty much. From OHL to AHL. You know, and then just gets ping-ponged back around. I mean, okay, so 16-17, 21 games in the NHL, puts up 10 points, takes 12 pims. Those aren't bad numbers for a kid. Oh, you know, like a, like a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid. Start. I think he started the 18 season in the NHL again, went 22 games, and got 12 points and two pims, uh, and then just got bounced down and has just been ping-ponged for the rest of his time. And I've just, uh, it, it makes me wonder because in watching him play, I don't see what they see that says he's not NHL ready. Yeah. And, and we're talking about the two Islanders teams that he played on that finished fifth and seventh yeah. in their respective divisions those years. I mean, they, they weren't, you know, the the Barzal, um, Anders Lee uh, type structured team that they are now that has some scoring oomph, but a lot more defensive structure. So, I mean, he was. Yeah. Are we sure it's not the R word? Look at his last name. There it's are some. Not. Not so a properly English last name. There are so many R words that could be used when it comes to describing the Islanders and the way they've handled him. Um, no, <laughs> I don't. I, I he's he's that case, right? You know, he Garth Snow drafted him and said all the right things, you know. And you know, granted, they let him go back to the to the OHL after they drafted him which I think was a smart move. But since then, it's just been, you know, big red nose and clown shoes handling of him since then. 
because redundancy department of redundancy and repeat myself. He was the one that just I because I, I kind of went just scrolling back through the last 10, 15 years. And there were a bunch that were sort of like, eh, you know, that guy could have been OK, but didn't have sort of the pop. Or they never even when they played in the NHL or, or something, they just never you know really stood out. But he's kind of stood out. So, See, I mean, that, I, the whole 2014 draft was also interesting because you could say Sam Reinhardt. But, you know, he didn't have sort of the same, I don't want to say expectations, but sort of the, the same cachet. See, I really wanted to go with DiPietro, and then I was like, mm, he's, he was spun class. So, I mean, that's really was the problem. Not necessarily that he was with the Islanders. He's just spun glass. Well, that's that gets in that whole discussion we've had, we've touched on before. Is was he fragile or did he make himself fragile by working out too much when, as a goaltender, he flexible, and his his exercise routine left him inflexible. I don't know how to answer that one, but yes. <laughs> so, Pat, you said you had some more. Yeah, so uh, we'll go back in reverse chronological order. So, 2002, Yoni in. he of uh, approximately 500 NHL games, um, went fourth overall to the Philadelphia Flyers. What if? What if he slid just one pick? Here's a guy who play, played a couple seasons, was a leading uh, point scorer, I believe, twice for the Flyers before being traded to Edmonton for a quick cup of coffee of a season and then on to Carolina. Um, but what if he had slipped to number five and went to the Pittsburgh Penguins instead of Ryan Whitney? What if he slipped to number six and went to the Nashville Predators before they became the defensive factory? that we know them for. You know, in this, in this, in 2002, there were a bunch of defensemen and, and Jay Bo Meester's kind of like the poster boy. Cause he went one pick before and played 1200 plus games and his offensive numbers were a little lacking, but what if he went to Pittsburgh? Would he have been Chris Letang before Chris Letang got on the scene? So I had him on my list. Go back a year, 2001. Stephen Weiss goes number four to Florida. What if he dropped to Anaheim at number five and had kind of a bruising team around him to kind of insulate him a little bit? Now, then I think uh, I'll jump back to 98. Manny Melholtra, guy with a great NHL career. He played 16 seasons, wasn't much of an offensive player. He was drafted seventh overall by the New York Rangers, and he played as an 18-year-old. If that tells you about the state of the Rangers at the time, you know, he, he goes into a situation where he plays 73 games in his rookie year. He puts up 16 points, which is perfectly respectable at that time, but... 
he was just kind of a, a he just kind of a little bit of injury, a little bit of you know. Okay, he he goes off to Dallas after that, and then it wasn't until after the um, after a lockout canceled season where he kind of solidifies himself in Columbus, puts up offensive numbers. It's con- playing a consistent number of games each and every year. Then goes on to va- uh, brief stint in San Jose and then Vancouver, where he kind of cements himself as a player in the league you know, potential Selkie conversation. He could have been that player, you know, four or five years early if he hadn't, you know, jumped into the league as an 18-year-old because he was not, I repeat, not an offensive superstar in the OHL. He was the scholastic player of the year, his draft year. But a guy with about, oh, I don't know, 50 points, 60 points as his max. Then, just like Cassie mentioned, you know, going to expansion teams in the early 90s, Radic Blanc in Ottawa Mm -hmm. in 1994. But here are two interesting ones. 1993, that was the Grattan Dig draft. Saku Koivu goes to Montreal at number 21. He had a great career. He, you know, he ended up playing, I believe, 18 seasons. But it makes me wonder, what happens if he slips one spot to number 22 where the Detroit Red Wings are playing? Take a highly talented player in 93, who I believe entered the league at age 21, so about three years from now, right as the Red Wings are hitting the height of their powers. Could he have been a Hall of Famer? And now for my fun deep dive. Uh-oh. The year is 1992. You have another one? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you mean this one's more than others? <laughs> oh, yes. 1992, Corey Stillman is drafted six overall by the Calgary Flames. Now, here's a guy who played over 1,000 games. 700, or excuse me, yeah, 727 points. 287 278 goals because Patrick can't read or this, excuse me, Pat can't read um, 449 assists. Stanley cup champion, two time Stanley cup champion, very good career. But for the first part of his, his go around, he, he plays two HL seasons, puts up really strong HL numbers for the mid nineties. And then he goes to a Calgary team for the better part of seven years that does a whole lot of nothing. I mean, Jerome Aginla might have been the team's best center, and he wasn't a center at those times. I mean, names like Dean McCammon might have been the best center he played with. So it makes me wonder, in the teams that picked you know, right after Calgary, what if he goes to Philadelphia? a team that had its number one and number two centers locked in around, you know, 95, 96 season when Stillman played at first, they had a 21 year old Eric Lindros just coming off the heart trophy. I believe that Rod Brendamore is the number two center, uh, you know, just a few years older than Stillman, but here's a team that they made one cup run 
had no secondary scoring? What if he played with an actual center like that? Or what if he went to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who picked eighth? A team that, okay, they just gotten Matt Sundin, but they really weren't sure, is he a winger, is he a center? They had Doug Gilmore still, who was, you know, coming down off of his, you know, probably top seasons. And then what about the Buffalo Sabres? You still had a Pat LaFontaine who had Dale Howarchuk at kind of the end of his playing career, but he was still a decent enough player. What if he was playing with some real centers, unlike the likes of, oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, Craig Ferguson or Dean Evison, Pat Conacher. William Nylander, or excuse me, William Nylander's father might have been the best center Corey Stillman ever played with in the Flames organization. So here's a guy who put up good numbers. What if he played with a real center? What if he had slipped one, two, or three picks in that 92 draft? And with that, (laughs) I'm done with my notes because I set a timer. Uh, when I was doing my uh, show prep, and that's all I could get to. Meanwhile, half an hour before we went, we started recording. I just went through a bunch of drafts and we're picking names out. <laughs> that's the kind of professionalism we have. And of course, me being in the middle, I just sort of spent, you know, like a couple of days at lunch while I was at work, just sort of shuffling through, going, "Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, him. Oh yeah, him." And then just kind of, you know, set myself a notes thing saying, you know, this guy, this guy. Um, See, this is what happens when my kids kind of left me alone for like almost two hours today. It was crazy. So I went down a fun rabbit hole. No kidding. The the one I'm sure anybody who is listening who follows me on Twitter and is a fan of San Jose, they're probably shocked that I did not bring up. Is it will set the Wayback Machine for 2013. We're going back in time now. Dude, that's a top balloon. Come on. Hey. Hey, I almost had uh, Ray Whitney from, what was it, the 90 draft or 91 draft? But then I realized, oh, he was picked first overall in the second round because I couldn't remember how many teams were back then. The uh, and this and this wayback machine, we've we've sailed on past the year 2014 and landed in 2013. It is a complete mystery to us. <laughs> An unfamiliar land, mm-hmm. stranger in a strange land, Heinlein type territory here. Everett's not that strange. You know where I'm going. You Ew. haven't lived in Everett or gone to Everett before. This, I think that. This is also very true. I have not. <laughs> this is also very, very true. Smack dab, sort of right there towards the bottom half, top of the bottom half. The San Jose Sharks pick one Mirko Mueller and, and proceeded to screw his career monumentally. They kept him on the roster his first season after the draft. 
and hardly played him. So not only did they burn a year off of his ELC, they kept him in the press box because he couldn't be sent back down. He couldn't be sent to the AHL because he was not of age. But they felt that he was still not, or he was beyond WHL. So that's why they didn't send him back to Everett. They kept him through camp. They kept him through the preseason games. He showed what he showed in Everett, that he was sort of that good prototypical two-way defenseman with some size and a little bit of anger, but could also move the puck and, you know, hold the blue line on power plays and, and do little things. But they just parked him. He'd play five games. Then he'd sit for 15, then he'd play two, and then he'd sit for 20. Uh, and this is supposed to be prime development years because next to goaltenders, defensemen have to have reps. And I kept being told by people, oh, he's working with Larry Robinson, you know, Big Bird's working with him because that's when Robinson was, you know, special advisor to the Sharks. Well, he wasn't working with Larry. Unless he and Larry were playing like NHL 14 on Xbox or something. And Larry was saying to him, don't do this, don't do that. He, they, just, they just screwed that poor kid's career. To the point that they shuffled him off to New Jersey for almost like a bag of pucks. Oh, that, <laughs> that's the one that actually hurts when I think about what he could have been. Uh, reminds me of Tampa when they would do that to players and I would have to like write a blog about knowing that people in the organization would read my blog and I'd have to re read write a blog or tweet about how this guy's been sitting for so long are they going to send him down and then the next game he's in the lineup <laughs> like consistently this wasn't just like a one-time thing and I'm just like okay if you need me to remind you to put players that are sitting in the press box on the ice, then you should be hiring me because this is wrong. Hated that. Drove me crazy. But enough about Nemestikov. <laughs> Name Stink. Name Stinkov. <clears throat> and his dad, John. I mean, Evgeny. I mean, John. Oh, is he another one of those? When... Evgeny Nemesnikov came over from Russia. He didn't want people to butcher his name. He's, he assumed that Americans would never be able to figure out how to say his name right, his first name. So he just told everyone to call him John. And so on on the uh, uh, lineups, in the lineups, like the scorecard and stuff, that's what he would be listed as, John. John Nemesnikov. And uh, I was there... I was in Syracuse when he was playing in Syracuse. I went and saw a game there, like 1995 or something. And yeah, on on the uh, on the roster, he was listed as John Nemesnikov. Because <laughs> Evgeny was going to trip us up, but Nemesnikov, we're fine with that. Right. Well, and then on top of that, <laughs> it's like Evgeny is Russian for Eugene. I know. But he cause... just picks John. And I'm like, you can't just put Gene. 
I mean, if you're going to do this, <laughs> and yeah. then partway through his NHL career, he decides, oh, I'm just going to go back to Evgeny, and yeah, so there you go. Ah, uh, those those Vancouver picks back in Syracuse in See, the day. And I was like looking when I was looking through like the drafts and stuff. I really wanted to start pulling out Russian names, but at the you just never know if they went back to Russia because they didn't want to like live here in the US anymore or Canada or if they were getting screwed over so they just went back to Russia it, you know it's such a toss up with some of these players you, it's like I just didn't know so I didn't pull out Russian names I have a friend that I used to work with whose name was Evgeny and he just went by Genya or Jean mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I never could figure that one out. Most other Russian players did just just accepted the fact that their name was going to get butchered and moved on. But <laughs> I had an intern work at my company whose name was Anthony LeBron, but he insisted on going by Pierre. <laughs> awesome. No, no interest in hockey. What? whatsoever and he was clearly never going to be the top Pierre LeBron out there in the world but he did himself no favors either how do you you just land on Pierre from yeah Yeah. was that his middle name or something no no not in his it was never written down on his birth certificate nowhere in the triumvirate of Names was Pierre on his documentation. No, he didn't have like a fourth name in there that actually didn't get captured, or so he had two quote unquote middle names hyphenated stuff, things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, just randomly. Well. Dang, I've been I've been living life all wrong. I should just pick a random name and go by you it. Know, I was I'm sitting here thinking the same thing. <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, hell, anyone, anyone can do it. Exactly. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, my first name I can like butcher it around any way I want because it's you know it's like freaking nine letters, so I could. I could even tie it actually into my real name if I wanted to. Draw. <clears throat> Sandy, Sandra, Cass, draw. Cassand, <laughs> Cassie, Draw, Sass. Sass. I could do all kinds of things. Yeah. Gonna be if there were... Yeah, I was going to say, if there were any news actually out there, I probably would have had a transition, but... Whatever, hey, uh, greetings fellow listeners, we are talking to you directly, I hope you're having a wonderful afternoon and or day, or if you're listening to us overnight while you sleep, Um, (laughs) we'll be your subliminal messages, we'll start teaching uh, a foreign language during these podcasts. Um, you've heard all the news about the NHL phase two crap. What's for us to say about it? Because we don't know any more than anyone else, and we've never been 
prone to like sitting here and throwing wild speculation against the wall, no, even though we do it. Now. We have oh. a phase three date. Do we? Yes. Oh. Yes, we do. When did that happen? Uh, July 10th? The 35th, like the 35th of February. Yeah. <laughs> July 10th, I think. I thought that was phase... No, I'm sorry. Phase, you're right. Phase two was the small was group play. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yes. Which most teams actually didn't really start doing, and um, a lot of players aren't coming back to their uh, NHL team cities, and they're doing it in random places. There's a group of Russians in Florida doing things. and uh, <laughs> You might want to specify what you're talking about when you say a group of Russians in Florida. Oh, group of Russian group of Russian hockey players. Okay, thank you. <laughs> skating together at a rink somewhere. All right, thank you for that skating part. Because <laughs> <laughs> I say these things because I worked at a company that actually had a Russian spy arrested in it. <clears throat> no, we're not talking about Paulo Bure. He retired. Okay. Or what about Valeri? I mean, he's just living off the Fuller House residuals. So. Yeah, this is a little in their God. vineyard. <laughs> oh god Valari Bure was actually in the first hockey game I ever saw that memorable huh I wouldn't go that far although the the heckling was fairly fairly memorable oh well yeah I can imagine all the originality in that oh yeah yeah Valerie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first hockey game I went to, a friend of mine and I walked, just wandered in the Tacoma Dome one May, and uh, it was the Spokane Chiefs versus the Tacoma Rockets playoff game, and Valeri Bure played for Spokane. So there you go. Wow. <clears throat> Well, as I like to call it, Spoke Compton, but a lot of people do. <clears throat> it's it's all the people who can't live in Coeur d'Alene. That's where they go. <laughs> because Coeur d'Alene's so expensive to live in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Coeur d'Alene doesn't like has has um particular taste in in uh uh. People living there. <laughs> oh, you, you mean Honkyville? <laughs> well, I was going to say the white supremacists that lived in the Panhandle of Idaho, but they've all migrated to uh, Flathead Lake in Montana. So, <laughs> mostly. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here mesmerized by this gif of Ken Griffey Jr. swinging a baseball bat. Yeah, you know, I've been party to a couple of things that have popped in my timeline where somebody has said who's the best player to ever wear number 24 or who's ever who's had the best baseball swing in history. And I'm going, what, what, what the hell? Why is there even a discussion? Yeah, I know, right? Both answers are Ken Griffey Jr. And I'm not even a baseball fan by any stretch of the imagination. But I can tell you that that guy's swing was just, oi. No. It was beauteous. Oh, it was. It was. It was. It's his swing was like 
Sackick's wrist shot or what? Niedermeyer's skating. <laughs> yeah, see? Are, 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 we, are we having a religious moment here? <laughs> we might. Or, or McDavid's explosive two-stride step. Yeah. Or, it's just... Patrick Waugh's Statue of Liberty. Uh, well, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Oh. Now we see why the Statue of Liberty was modeled after a woman because she wouldn't have let that thing drop. <laughs> Can confirm. <clears throat> Both friends. Yeah. That's a that that's the sound that I think we need to land this plane. Yeah, <laughs> just. <laughs> so speaking of Messer Wah, wait, wait, wait! You you have another question, Patrick? I do, I do. Oh, welcome. To I that. do. He said I, that last week. You did. I did, and I and 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 I managed to actually remember it. Yay. Go tune in next week to see if you can go for three episodes in a row. I'm not promising anything at this point. <laughs> I'm not promising that next week doesn't start seven days from now for me. <laughs> so in Is in light. <laughs> oh, oh God, I need. We're my in house. June, right? I need my house done. Um, we're in somewhere. Um, squirrel. No, uh, in light of our conversation about Mr. Waugh and first round busts, I want to go expand on this a little bit. Okay. We've had, we've had this discussion before. And many people have said never take a goalie in the first round. And many goalies have been taken in the first round through history. Especially if you're reading NHL.com lately. Yes. And, and, and this is sort of a retort to their redrafts where many, many goaltenders have been taken in the first round. I want to know what goaltenders you would have actually taken in the first round. That were taken in the first round or period? No, period. Mm. Some, some goaltenders have been taken in the first round and didn't deserve it or didn't have a first-round-style career for a goaltender, see Mike DiPietro. Some have been taken in the first round and first overall and had a pretty pretty solid career to date, see Marc-Andre Fleury. But as is the case with first-round players, say Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, just to name two, just off the top of my head, completely random, mm-hmm. who have had spectacular careers to start what goaltenders through history would you have actually taken in the first round because they would have met that first round expectation follow us on twitter at 3v3 podcast this has been the 3v3 podcast sponsored by nobody <laughs>